This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras on 680-CJOB. Down 27 degrees at CJOB as we get you back to Jets at Noon. Thank you very much, Skylar Peters. Uh, of course, moving on from the press conference for the latest information uh, on the ongoing investigation uh, from the mass casualty event uh, collision outside of Carberry. Go to CJOB. Uh, go to CJOB.com. Go to globalnews.ca. And, of course, continue to listen to here on 680 CJOB for the latest, as well as Global News at 6 here in Winnipeg. So we make the, um, the I guess I would call it an unfair transition to uh, Jets offseason uh, and the ongoing situation there. And uh, there was a great piece in The Athletic uh, written by uh, Murata Tesh very, very recently um, that called into question uh, uh, the whole situation surrounding the Winnipeg Jets. And of course, uh, I should say hi to Jim. Jim, how are you? I haven't even I acknowledged. I've refused. I haven't even acknowledged you yet this whole time. I've been time. sitting here for over half an hour, <laughs> and I've talked to you three times. Well, I just said, responded. listen, I'm busy. No, um, yeah. Look, today's a day where there's more information coming out. There's investigation, and yeah. they're identifying uh, some of the victims, which we'll continue to cover today and throughout this week on 680 CGOB. And then we're going to shift to, you know, um, a little bit of a distraction for everybody. Yep. It's a heavy, heartfelt weekend. And uh, we're going to talk some hockey and, and do that uh, as we go forward with this coverage too. But that'll always be uh, and will be going forward at the foremost of our coverage here is when news like that comes out. And uh, so we need to uh, also thank our, our next guest, uh, Murata Tesh, for uh, uh, allowing us to do this on Friday when he was originally scheduled and to be joining us today, too. I know it's not an easy spot to bring guests into after a press conference like no. that, but also, um, you know, we have to start moving a little bit forward and, and uh, as well as covering it and all the details that come of it, um, you know, moving on with some of our other coverage, too. So we appreciate Murat joining us and also um, taking a backseat to the news coverage uh, last week. Well, thank you for having me. And yeah, let me start. I'm happy to talk Jets, but of course, by expressing my condolences, that's a very serious thing to have happened in Manitoba. And my heart is where your hearts are as well, guys. I mean, it's uh, it's it's there. Uh, happy to talk hockey in, in whatever form uh, we can get into as well, though. Uh, and I guess that's why you've got me on. Yeah. Thanks, Murat. Thanks, Murat. Um, we read your piece. Uh, we both of us read your piece in The Athletic and uh, both of us read it at different separate times. And I actually both- read it too, Cam. Well, you actually read it first <laughs> and I had already read it. Uh, and I think Murad has read it too. We, I, we sit around, have a coffee, light a pipe, and I read things to Cam. Well, he tries to beat me, and then if he reads it first, he throws it in my face. <laughs> um, it, we, you know, we can talk Pierre Luc Dubois, we can talk Hellebuck, we can talk Wheeler. There's been tons of talk about those three, and we're definitely going to get into them as this conversation goes on, Murad. But I want to talk about Mark Shifley because I think that was the most interesting part of your piece. Uh, was you were kind of highlighting where you believe PLD is going to be headed, where Halibut, what kind of uh, what kind of re- um, return they can get for somebody like that, and Wheeler, of course, this ongoing conversation. Kelly Moore, I had a piece that ran in the morning. It ran on uh, with on on Hal's program. It's going to run again uh, on the Jim Toll Show at two fifty five about his thoughts on Wheeler buyout or trade. We'll talk about that in a second. But Mark Scheifele, I found very very interesting. And how you're, and why don't I, why don't I, I won't speak for you, but what do you believe the situation surrounding Mark Shifley is as of right now? Well, the, the 
easiest thing I can do is tell you that I don't know, but mm-hmm. the, the point and purpose of framing Mark Shifley, because in the piece I write like, Hey, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois, we're certain that this guy is on the way out. Connor Hellebuck, we know that he said that his next contract's not in Winnipeg and the green light is open to trade him. Uh, Blake Wheeler, like you say, I mean, there's, you know, the belief that he'll be traded. Maybe he'll be bought out as well. And in Mark Shifley's case, um, I don't think necessarily, I don't know this, but I don't think that they're in the throes of an extension talk or anything to that effect necessarily. But he's a situation where there's not really a, a, a deadline right? He's not Pierre-Luc Dubois saying, I won't even sign my qualifying offer. I'm not going to be back next year, no matter what. He's under contract for next season. Um, Winnipeg is in a position where it needs to trade Pierre-Luc Dubois, get the most it can for him, use him as an asset to, to fill in some of the pieces that you know are obviously going to be on the way out with Dubois and with Hellebuck for sure, and perhaps, and maybe even probably with Shifley in the long run. But there's no deadline to that and there's just a little part of me right now that's leaving the door open for hey what if mark shifley were a trade deadline deal what if there were a short-term extension to be made in his oh in his case as well and it's not because i think that both sides are just desperate to to re-up for the next several years or anything like that but you just look at winnipeg's roster if you take dubois out which you have to if you take shifley out as well that's two top centers Kevin Dayoff has been so patient and so good at waiting until the last possible moment before. Think of Andrew Kopp a couple years back in the Hall Winnipeg got for him at the deadline instead of moving him early. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying maybe, maybe the Shifley move, if there is one, doesn't happen right away. There's so much in the air, and that's why I like what you were saying in your column and, and um, some of this going on. There's also the belief that Mark Shifley might be back here next year, and I can understand that because if you trade Pierre-Luc Dubois and Connor Hellebuck, it really depends on what you get back. If there's not at least a second-line center coming back in one of those two packages, I believe there is a chance he might be still on this roster when training camp starts just because of the the depth at center. However, I also think that if you trade either one of those pieces, a second-line center would be part of, of maybe potentially both packages. I mean, you'd have to think so. It's an awkward situation for Winnipeg to be in. You know, in that piece, I post the roster without any of those guys, without Shifley or Dubois or Hellebuck, and there's these two gaping holes, number one center, number two center, no goaltenders to speak of, and it looks absolutely dire. But then you remember that, well, Pierre-Luc Dubois is a pretty good player. He's just about to turn 25 years old. Connor Hellebuck is one of the best goaltenders on the planet. It's not as though you're moving those guys even a year out from their deals or whatever the contract sign and trade extension situation would be. It's not as if you're moving medium or mediocre assets. These are very good players and one of them amongst the absolute best. So theoretically, if you're Winnipeg, you've got to be able to return a, you know, a Gabriel Velarde if it's from Los Angeles. Or I've even heard some people speculate about Quentin Byfield or something to that effect. Um, if you're moving Hellebuck, you've got to be able to bring back it quality as well. And if for some reason you don't, then you're a bit desperate for Shifley services. And I think that's where the, it's sort of, you've got to handle this Dubois situation in advance of the draft. Hellebuck is probably next up, but then Shifley can become a bit of a pivot point is my theory, my thinking on what they might do. You know, you're looking at Pierre-Luc Dubois, Los Angeles, New York, Montreal, you know, part one, part I, I I wonder, and I understand that from, according to these reports, it's only five or six teams that are on this list. 
And I always wonder, is could there be an 11th hour team that maybe comes in and, uh, you know, maybe gives an offer? You can, I, 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 so many times, Murad, and I'm sure you, you know this too, uh, that there's been sort of laser focus on one team. Maybe another team kind of steps in and they kind of get looked at. Like Montreal has sort of been the, the one sort of place that everybody thought it was going to be a guarantee. Now L.A. comes in, reportedly making a big push. And I wonder if there could be another team that kind of says, kind of slides in at the very end and says, hey, hey, we're going we're gonna to try to make a run at this too. Well, I mean, that has been the nature of things historically in the NHL. Sometimes you get exactly what everybody was expecting all year, like Patrick Kane being traded to the New York Rangers, for example. That was one we sort of had pegged, and that's the one it's going to be. And sometimes you have an expectation that gets built up and built up, and that's not even remotely what happens. And maybe even the idea that Pierre-Luc Dubois is willing to think about a sign-and-trade with five or six teams, as my colleagues at The Athletic reported, is is a surprise enough at this stage. I continue to believe that Los Angeles is the most likely of the teams at this, at this stage as well. I agree. But we know that this, this is the NHL and stuff happens, right? Absolutely. Stuff happens. What if, what if this is the week of the Boston learns that Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci retire and they've got a massive hole in, in the middle and now they're looking for centers and uh, they've got some cap space to shed. So they've got to make some moves. Well, then all of a sudden you're talking about, okay, Jeremy Swayman's available for Boston and, you know, maybe uh, maybe a Jake DeBrusque, who I know they've tried to move, and boom, the cap hit works and there's a deal made and, and all, all of that sort of stuff. But uh, so teams' needs, I think, sort of become a little bit more cemented as we approach the draft and certainly into July 1. Um, I still think it's L.A. at this stage, but that doesn't mean it's got to be. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with that. I think it is L.A. sort of uh, along those lines and then somebody else. But you make a fascinating point because that's my next question for you is things can change in 24 to 48 hours and directions. And and those are the best stories after trades is like, well, a month later you hear that actually two days before the trade, this was on the table and then they went this direction. So I wanted to find out. I was asked today myself this question, Murad. When do you think things start happening? Like I don't. I just have this feeling that Dubois goes sometime this week, maybe into the weekend. I think Hellebuck around the draft. And then I, I could see even Shifley Wheeler, maybe even closer to training camp. But if those things are to happen, but generally, whether it's this team or others, I would think there would be some pretty big news over the next week and a half leading into the draft. Do you? Yeah. And you know, what? I, I take it in the exact same order that you gave it. And, you know, maybe as one example, maybe this is why I'm so convinced Um Actually, it's not why I'm so convinced, but it's just a nice little detail. I think we were in this situation similarly with Jacob Truba in Winnipeg uh, a few years back in 2019. And if you go back historically, they made that trade two days in advance of the draft. And you know that two, you know that these teams are in a hurry to get themselves sorted out in advance of the draft because that's a hectic, chaotic time. Lots of moves get done at the draft, on the draft floor as well. But they've also got the, you know, the rebuilding their franchise via the via the draft to worry about at that time too. So my guess is that Winnipeg would like to get this done before the draft, uh, specifically with respect to Dubois. My my guess is they're quite confident that they can, or else they would have filed for arbitration on him, guaranteeing he couldn't be offer sheeted starting on July first. Um, and also the sense that I get just from talking to folks around the league and seeing what they think is, is that there is a lot of optimism that it's going to happen before the draft with Dubois. Hellebuck, I'm not as sure. And the reason why I'm not as sure, I think the draft would be a, a perfect time because you're likely getting a first-round pick uh, you know, in, as part of a package for him. 
But I wonder, I just look at this goaltending market and just the sheer volume of free agents available. Um, and if you had to pick a time to trade a franchise goaltender, I don't think I'd want to choose this summer when so many free agents were available. Like I heard a rumor about Los Angeles, but I think they're happy with Jonas Corposalo and re-signing him. Carolina's got two free agents. Boston's, I mean, got Swayman as a restricted free agent. Toronto's got free agents. Every there's there's just a real Semyon Varlamov is on the market. You can go on, um, and I wonder if some teams wait to see if they can get a cut rate Hellebuck for cheap as opposed to going for the real deal. That's a really interesting uh, p- point you're bringing up, Murat, because, I mean, I would certainly put Hellebuck at the top of the list of the goaltenders that are going to be available here. I mean, who knows? Maybe Boss is going to say, hey, we're sticking with Swayman, and Linus Allmark's also going to become available here, too, and they're going to choose him as the guy. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's a well, really interesting Well, and John thought. Gibson. Like, I've been a massive fan of John Gibson's for years. I've mm-hmm. been wondering why Anaheim keeps holding on to him. And it's just ironic that when Hellebuck's like, I'm not going to resign past my last year, the John, the the Ducks go, I think we'll finally trade John Gibson. Like those two names, Murat, right there, I think would make 20 teams in the league go, we're happy with our goaltending, but. <laughs> yeah, I wonder about Gibson because for a long time, like we were doing, you know, back when we thought that the Olympics would be a best on best competition and, and the NHL players would go. I did a profile on Connor Hellebuck and John Gibson uh, along with Eric Stevens at The Athletic. And we were saying, okay, well, these are the obvious American goalies. Look at how good they are. Um, and I don't know if it's just the quality of the Ducks team over the recent years or, um, or if Gibson has had some ebbs and flows to his game. But I'm like you. There was a long time I thought he was uh, an absolute elite. And then I sort of di- diverged from that. I've looked at his numbers for the last little while. I just, I'm not as convinced that he's the same guy that he was. Um, and if, if he is though, because we've seen goaltenders, especially, you know, as they approach their thirties, some of them can have phenomenal seasons and others kind of lose their way. If he can find what he had, uh, for a team playing better defense and a more complete game, I mean, then there's a gem on the market as well. Murata Tash, Jets rider with the athletic real quick. We only got about 30 seconds. Thoughts on Blake Wheeler, buyout or trade? You know, I never thought they would buy him out. It's more expensive than trading, even with 50% salary retained. And I've tended to think that the more polite thing is just to find him a destination. Others differ. Others make arguments that, hey, buy him out. He's free to go wherever he wants, and that's respectful, too. I think True North will do the classy thing, whatever that they feel that that is. Kelly Moore agrees with you, and you'll hear him uh, on the uh, Jets hockey report uh, later on today at 2.55 on the Jib Tilt Show. Murata Tesh, always a pleasure, man. You take care, okay? Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks, sir. Appreciate it. Uh, Jets, great stuff there, as Jets always. Jets Rider with The Athletic, one of the all-time nice guys. Uh, let's take a break. On the other side, hey, there was a bomber game on Friday. He is a nice guy. I'll, yeah, I'll say he is. We, we say, we say I, a lot. He's a good, nice guy, but he's a really nice guy. Usually I'll say like a nice guy just to like... What else am I going to say? He, he agrees to come on the show. Well, I hope like he wouldn't say cut. somebody's a nice guy if they're not. But usually wow. if somebody's just even you can't believe medium, is. you're like, that's a nice guy. But Murat's a really nice guy. When it comes to me explaining people and how and how they are, you can't trust anything I'm saying. In terms of personality. Other things you can trust. You think I'm a nice guy? You're a great guy, Jim. What's that look? Why'd you look up? We'll talk some bombers after this. Hey, eight times in a row they beat. There's nothing up there. They beat Saskatchewan. We'll be right back. Was that an eye roll? Jets at noon on 680 CJOB.